0: Praise the Lord, amen. amen, amen. Well, good morning everyone. Good morning. God bless you, good to see you this morning. I wanna ask you to open up in your Bibles whatever form or fashion of the word of God that you have. I trust you have something that you could look at to Second Chronicles chapter 34. This morning, I wanna begin a, uh, a four-part series on character sketches, character sketches. I want to look at four different Bible characters that that could help us to understand biblical truth. You know, when we hear concepts from the Bible, they can seem kind of abstract, right? Hard to understand. But when you see them fleshed out in a person's life, when you see it walked out in real life, it becomes more relatable. Amen. I don't know about you, but my my um, favorite form of reading is biographies and autobiographies, because I love to see in the lives of of people how they how they grew, how they matured, how they overcame obstacles, how they um, grew in their relationship with God, how they accomplished things. And it helps me because I, I have a point of connection, a point of, of relationship. And so I love to look at how they, they learned how to uh, walk with God. And I want to look at our first Bible character this morning, a man named Josiah, Josiah. I've entitled my message this morning, Living a Life That Matters. Living a life that matters. Josiah was a young man whose life made a difference. You know, it says in in, in another passage of Scripture, in the book of Jeremiah, the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. And you see, that word to Jeremiah is a word to each and every one of us. God made every single one of us. I can say that authoritatively. I can say that confidently. I can say that truthfully and honestly. That every single one of you, God created you for a purpose. You are created for a divine purpose and special purpose in the eyes of God and in the plan and purpose of God. Can you say amen? Amen. All of us are born for a reason. You see, before you and I were even born, God purposed over our lives that we would reflect his glory in his image. That's what God said to Jeremiah. Before you were born, in our mother's womb, God had a divine purpose for our lives. Praise God. Amen? You see, and I believe this morning that we all want our lives to matter. Isn't that true? I believe that we all want to make a difference. I believe we all want our lives to count for something. You know, I was thinking about this. That's why we post on social media. Hello? You know, Social media is our platform to our world, right? It's, it's our platform to our world to show the world that we're significant. Look how great we are. Look at how wonderful our family is or look at the great accomplishment. Look how nice I look. Look how good my food looks. You know, it's our platform to, to the world to say, look, I'm somebody. Now, now don't look at me like that because you, you're posting why? Because you want likes, you want comments, you want, you want that instant gratification of somebody affirming what you're doing. Oh, come on, somebody going to be real this morning? We all want to be significant. We all want our lives to make a difference. And this morning, we look at a man in the scriptures by the name of Josiah whose life made a difference personally and on the level of a, of a nation, actually. He impacted a whole nation. His impact, his influence, Josiah, it was great. You know, and I believe this morning that we all, all of us, if I was in the South, I'd say y'all, we all, we all can make a greater impact as we look at the life and learn from Josiah, we can see uh, how he applied the principles, the truths of God in his life to a, to a, a fa- in, a, in a faithful way. And, and then we begin to see God work in and through Josiah. Now I want to say this because anytime we hear a message, and anytime we could hear something on destiny or greatness or making an impact, we, we, we tend we tend to think of these these great and enormous uh, works or ministries or you know well uh, you know if I'm going to be great, I got to start an orphanage in some country and feed thousands of children. If I'm gonna be anointed, I've gotta have this great big ministry that that touches nations. And and and, and again, there's nothing wrong with that, but, but what I want you to understand that it is important that we just be faithful to God, we're just faithful to his word, and then we leave the results to him. We leave our future in his hands. We we don't do it because we want to be somebody great. Because there's where ego gets in the way. There's where pride gets in the way. And we all have to battle that. We all have to deal with that if we're going to be honest. But if we just say, you know what? God, we leave the results to you. God, I'm going to just faithfully apply your word. I want to make an impact. I want to to have an influence. I want to be a blessing. I want to accomplish something uh, to, to leave a mark for your glory, God, but, but I leave the results with you. You know, I look at my life and, and, and I say this not in, in, a, in a prideful way at all, but to share my heart with you and help you to understand. In my own life, from the beginning of my ministry, I never sought titles. From the beginning of my ministry, I never sought promotion, I never sought status. I never sought positions. I just tried to humbly apply God's word to my life and ministry. And I said, God, you will take me where you want me to go. You will do in my life what you want to do. God, I just trust you with the results. And, and, you know, that's an important thing this morning. Can we trust God with the results? Can we lay down our agenda? Can we lay down what we want? Isn't that what we should be doing as Christians? Not my will, but thine be done. As Christians, shouldn't we be saying, Lord, I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to deny myself, and I'm going to follow you. You see, when you do do that, then it releases God to work in your life. So I have seen God bless me. I've seen God open doors. I've seen God exalt me. I've seen God made a way. And you know what? I always say, God I trust you with it. I leave it in your hands. Let's not try to be something we're not. Do you remember that commercial? I don't know what it was. It could have been the tattoo artist. It could have there's a few different ones. But but you know they they found themselves uh, in the seat of someone who wasn't really good at what they do, or they were just okay, and or I don't know if I'm mixing up two commercials, but but you'll get it when I get it, if I get it. But. The the bottom line was, stay in your lane, bro. Stay in your lane, bro. And I think it's important that we understand that we all uh, not try to be somebody else, but we try to be what God wants us to be. Can you say Amen this morning? So I want to look at the biography of young men in the Scriptures that we can learn from. Second Chronicles thirty-four in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, I want to read a couple of verses of Scripture. It says, I'm going to read two verses, Second Chronicles 34, verse 1. Josh, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and he walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Verse 3, for in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek God, seek the God of his father David. 2 Chronicles 34 begins the story of King Josiah, who was a king of Judah. He was the leader of God's people. And it's interesting, he became king at eight years old. Now, um, I don't know what, what policies you would enact that's eight years old. Uh, no school in the kingdom, uh, chocolate every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, playtime all day long. Um, but when you hear in the scriptures, and this is important as we study the word of God that we, we learn and grow. Uh, when, when someone was that young, they were not the ones that were making the decisions, They were in that position, uh, positionally, but not legislatively or officially running the kingdom. They were usually, and and in 2 Kings, it mentions uh, Josiah's mom, Jedidah. She was his mom, and she would be the power and the influence behind the kingdom. So at eight years old, Josiah is not calling the shots, he's not leading the nation, but he was put in that position because his father was assassinated and all of his siblings were also murdered and he was the only one that was speared. So he was in succession to be the next king. Now what's interesting about Josiah, which is really relevant to the study of the word of God as we look at his life, how it made a difference, was his grandfather was a king called Manasseh. His father was Ammon. Now what you have to understand, if you just look back the last chapter, chapter 33, we learn of Manasseh. He was the most wicked, ungodly king in the history of Israel and Judah. He was so ungodly, he was so wicked that he brought idolatry into the very temple of God. He brought foreign gods and idols. He actually sacrificed children to the god of Moloch and burned them as a burnt sacrifice. This man was so wicked that he turned the whole nation away from the one true god unto false gods, unto Baal, Ashereth, and all kinds of idolatry. The most wicked king. Manasseh's son followed right in his footstep. Ammon was another king that was wicked. And it says in the scriptures, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. What am I trying to point? What what point am I trying to make? What am I trying to say in regard to that is here we have Josiah coming from the lineage, the ancestry of the most wicked king of Israel, As a grandfather, Ammon as a father, and here is Josiah, eight years old. You could look at his life and you could say, what hope is there for this young man? He's been so jaded, he's been so affected, he's been so, uh, uh, in such a way, affected by his, his grandparent, his grandfather and his father. You would just say, there's no hope for this man, he doesn't have a future, he is just as good as, he's going to be as evil as his father and his grandfather. So we look at his life and we see things did not start out well for Josiah. But thank God he had a godly mother. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. What we learn as we study the scriptures, he had Jedidiah as his mother, but he also had Jeremiah as his mentor. Now I want you to understand something this morning. Not all of us might come. I didn't come from the greatest lineage. I don't have the greatest ancestry. But you know what? I had, I had mentors. I had people who spoke into my life, who discipled me, who helped me grow in the ways of God, and helped me overcome a lot of junk, a lot of dysfunction, a lot of issues from my past. And I want you to know this morning, you might have a bad lineage. You might have a lot of knots in your family tree. You might have a lot of bad fruit in your family tree, but if you understand and know God and you have people over you that can speak the word of God, who can mentor you, disciple you, encourage you, you'll go a long way. You will overcome. Amen? We see that in the life of Josiah. Things didn't start out too well for him. Here's Josiah. What does he do? He inherits a legacy of shame. He inherits a legacy of a wick and sickly throne, a divided nation, an idolatrous and debased people. The odds were against him. Things didn't look promising. But I want to encourage you this morning, your ancestry does not have to impact your future. I'm going to say that again. Your ancestry doesn't have to dictate Your future. So we look at the principles. We look at the truths. What lessons can we see in the life of Josiah? What is fleshed out? What can be practically applied? What can be lived out in our lives? How do we live a life that matters? Quickly. I'm going to go through this quickly. Number one, seek after God. Seek after God. Thank you for that one amen. I know you all know that. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to do it. Look at verse 16. I mean, verse verse 3. In the eighth year of his reign, how old would that make, Josiah? You guys are very clever this morning. Yes, it would make him 16 years old. The Bible says, in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, He was 16 years old. The Bible says he began to seek the God of his father, David. He began to seek. Hallelujah. When you see the word uh, seek in Chronicles especially, the word describes the habit of looking to God in every situation. So seeking God is the habit of looking to God In every situation. I think we're good sometimes at looking to God for a crisis or when we have great needs. And there's nothing wrong with that. But your prayer life, your seeking of God cannot be limited to that. Seeking God describes the habit of looking to God for every area of your life. Seeking God, asking God about every area, every decision. It's the attitude which God looks for in those who pray. It's a seeking attitude. The word of God says that he began. Verse 3, he began. That implies the start of a spiritual journey for Josiah. He became king at eight. He was Um, Just there positionally, uh, his his mother and other advisors and other leaders were, were basically leading the nation. But there came a point in Josiah's life at 16 years old that he began his spiritual journey. It implies that he was starting out. I want to ask you this morning, do you have a starting point you can refer to? in your spiritual journey. It says at the age of 16, he began to seek the God of David. My question to you this morning, have you truly begun to seek God? Remember what it means to seek God. It describes the habit of looking to God in every situation. Or along the spiritual journey, have you been distracted? We all have been at one time or another. If we're going to be honest, distracted in our journey—busyness, work, worldliness—the things of the world crowd in. They they take away our spiritual appetite. Peter wrote in the New Testament, he says, Beloved, I beg you to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Peter the apostle said, I I plead with you. Be careful of of fleshly desires that fight against your spiritual, the spiritual side of you, that that weaken you, that that lessen your spiritual appetite, that pull you away from the things of God. Brothers and sisters, we have to understand seeking God sometimes is a spiritual battle. It's not easy. And we can get distracted. We could could let busyness, we can let work, we can let worldliness, we can let so many things. But I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you today. You can begin again. You can begin a new season of seeking after God. You can make a decision. The Bible says that... Josiah, he began to seek the Lord. Some of you, maybe you can begin today to seek God. Maybe some of you can get back on track and seek God. Maybe some of you could repent and say, God, forgive me. Maybe some of you don't even know Jesus this morning. You can't seek a God you don't know, but you can pray through Jesus Christ, have your sins forgiven. You can come into relationship with God, and this could be your day, like Josiah, that you begin To seek the Lord. The Bible tells us, Abraham, in his spiritual journey, as he got to know God, he made some mistakes. He lied. How many of you know lying is a sin? Hello? Not only lies, but little white lies. Where do we get that terminology from? Oh, it's only a white lie. And the devil is only a little devil. He's only a little white lie devil. No, every lie is a sin. The Bible says speak truth. Don't look at me like that. I know t- I got too many stories of too many Christians who have sat in my office and lied to my face. And as a pastor, I can't tell you all of that, but they can spread their lies. Can I tell you one little bit of wisdom? This wasn't even in my message. When you hear a story... Oh, somebody got a revelation back there. Say that a little louder. Oh, that's good. That's good. Amen. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Consider the source. Some people believe lying church people, but they don't believe their pastors. Oh, God, have mercy. Let me get back to my message. Amen. Okay. Abraham, he made some mistakes in his spiritual journey, he lied. He lied, and you know what? He got off track because he sinned. But you know what we find about Abraham? We find as we read through Genesis, wherever Abraham went, he was building an altar. Wherever he went, he built an altar. You know what an altar meant in the Old Testament? It meant a place of connection with God. An altar meant a refocusing, sacrificing to God, acknowledging God. In Abraham, you read throughout his journey, he was always building an altar. Come on, let's be people who reconnect with God. Amen? We make mistakes, we fall short, we get off track, but you know what? We build an altar again. We say, God, I want to put you first, I want to acknowledge you. Number two, commit to living godly. Come on, we're talking about Josiah and the impact that he made. If we're going to make an impact for God, we've got to commit to living a godly life. What does it say in verse 3? It says, he began to seek the God of his father, David, and in the 12th year, how old would that make him? Oh, (laughs) you did good adding 8 and 8 to 16. All you got to do is add 12 to 8. 20. In his 12th year, when he was 20 years old, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. The next verse said he broke down the altars of Baal. What was Josiah doing? He was now committing himself and as a representative leading the nation to godly living. He began to attack the the strongholds of the enemy, the, 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 the false gods, the idols, the things that were contrary to the word of God. He began to purge the land. So here we have Josiah at 20 years old, and he's leading a national reform over the nation, What makes it all the more incredible, what makes it all the more epic, is that he had a grandfather Manasseh, he had a father Ammon, worst kings in Israel, and they were the ones who set up the altars. They were the ones who set up the idols. They were the ones who led the nation astray. But here comes Josiah, 20 years old. He's seeking God. He's getting a hold of God. He's calling on God. God is helping him. And he begins to change things in his nation. I believe you and I this morning, I believe us as the people of God, if we would seek God, if we would commit to godly living, God would use us to begin to bring reform in our families, in our homes, in our churches, in our city, in our nation, whatever our influence, our circle of influence, God wants to use you. So I ask you this morning how can God use you? How could God use you to make some reforms? God to you, how could God use you to begin to tear down some idols? You see, Josiah inherited a legacy of shame, a weak, sickly throne, a backslidden nation, an idolatrous and debased people. But he made a decision to seek God, he made a decision to live differently. You know, Josiah, if he was living today, he probably could have made a lot of excuses. He probably could have blamed it on his, on his upbringing and said, listen, what hope is there? Look at my grandfather. Look at my father. But thank God he had a mother and he had a mentor. Yes. Amen. Yes. That, that challenged him, said, you know what? You could rise up. You could overcome your ancestry. You could rise up and overcome your upbringing. He could have made excuses about his community. You don't know, I'm in the midst of a people of idolatry. I'm in the midst of people who, who are worshiping idols. How, how can I make a difference? He made no excuses, but he dealt with the idolatry. So the question for us this morning, what is idolatry? Is it these graven images? Is it, is it some golden calf? Is it something? You know what the Bible defines as idolatry? The worship of someone or something other than God as though it were God. Idolatry is the worship of something other than God as though it was God. Oh, I know, I know. None of you, none of you think you're, you're messing with idolatry, but idolatry comes in all forms. It comes in the form of self. The worship of self. And we've got a golden shrine called Facebook. Facebook. How great Thou art! <laughs> Social media, self, um, idolatry of sex. We have a society that is gone sexually crazy. A culture that is so sexually saturated, it is mind boggling. An idolatry we we made. A God out of sex, status, position, money, money has become an idol. What is the first commandment of God? You shall have no other gods before me. You see, Josiah understood if he was going to live a life that matters, he would have to tear down idols in the midst of his generation that was filled with idolatry. If we're going to make a difference, if the church is going to make a difference, we have to tear down idols. First, in our own hearts. We cannot point to everyone else. That's what we have in our culture, excuse making. We're pointing to everyone else for the ills of our culture in our country. Instead of saying, Lord, it's me, me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Tearing down the idols in our own heart. All of us, none of us are exempt. I don't preach to you condescending. I preach to you as a fo- fellow brother in Christ, as one who also has to deal with these things in my life. Come on, if people, think about it, the idolatry. You know, people, that, so Christ, many Christians don't even know, have a clue that they're worshiping idols. Don't have a clue that other things have become, come in, in the place of God. How many of you are still with me? Yes. Josiah understood that. He committed to living a godly life. Money can become an idol. Come on, somebody ought to say amen because it's true. That's why we believe in honoring God with the tithe because that acknowledges that, God, we're putting you first. If you're not tithing, maybe you need to examine your heart and realize you have an idol in your life. You could buy a lot of other things. You could spend money foolishly, but you won't give to God first and foremost. Maybe time can become an idol. That's why we need to commit to serving in a local church. Becoming involved, giving God and honoring God with our time. Self can become an idol. That's why we have to live a life of humility and really come to a place many times of just saying, Lord, I humble myself before you and also before people. Education can become an idol. Education can become an idol. Again, we have to humble ourselves. You see, the reality is we're all prone to idolatry. We tend to love the creation. More than the Creator. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you still listening? We tend to love the gifts more than the giver. We tend to love to be blessed more than the blesser, than loving the blesser. You see, God will have no rivals. He said there'll be no god, foreign gods. God says, I will share my glory with no one. We, are, we need to give God the chief place in our hearts and in our lives. In Josiah, see, it's easy to say that, and everybody could say amen, but when you look at Josiah's life, you see it fleshed out. You see what it looked like, how he was willing to take a stand in an evil and adulterous generation and stand for God. Are you willing to take a stand for God? Thirdly, as I move on, take care of God's house. If you want to make a difference, if you want your life to make a difference, take care of God's house. Verse 8, the Bible says in the 18th year how old would he be? Oh Lord, have mercy. Is there one mathematician in the house? Is there anybody that has a calculator? <laughs> Will take get your phone out. Help help me. Oh, now they're all getting revelations. 26, yes. And when he was 26 year old, 26 he began to repair the house of the Lord. Verse 10, it says, they worked in the house of the Lord to restore it and to repair it. You cannot have a heart for God without having a heart for his house. I'm talking about even even the physical house of God. I believe we need to take care of the physical house, the spiritual house. I believe we need to take care of what God has entrusted, given us a responsibility, a stewardship, to care for the properties and the buildings that God has entrusted. That means there's maintenance, there's upkeep, there's refurbishing. That means that the, that the house of God, the physical church building, should glorify God in the community. It shouldn't be full of weeds and trash in a parking lot. It shouldn't have broken down and dilapidated signs. It should have a building that glorifies God. If you can't put up a nice sign, don't put up a sign at all. I've seen some churches that look like, look like a third grader used his fingers to, uh, to finger paint. Come on, we need to do something that glorifies God. We need to not be backward and not just throw it together and not just give it. Well, it's for the Lord. It reminds me of the lady who, who had, a, had a chicken in her refrigerator frozen for about six years. And her husband was going to throw it out, and 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 and, he, and she said, "Oh no!" And she he said, "Are you going to eat it?" He said, "Oh no, but it'll be good to give to the church." Not a true story. That's a joke. Just, just so you know. It's just that mentality. Oh, we can just give, just give, give, give leftovers to God. Give leftovers to the church. No, we need to give our best. Amen. Amen. Through our giving. Through our practical service, we need to honor and bless the house of the Lord. I believe your leadership has given an example of that. During the COVID shutdown, we worked hard, we renovated, we updated, we improved this church facility for the glory of God. Can you say amen? Just one example, a couple examples, one, one couple was asked, you see those flags that are up representing people from, from those countries that are a part of our church? Some of them were getting dirty, some of them were getting a little moldy from sitting in this building for 15 years or more. Somebody, my wife just asked a couple, said, would you take them down? Would you clean them? Would you iron them? Would you bring them back? You know what that couple said? They said, absolutely. They took them down, they ironed them, they put them back up within one day. I'm telling you, if we immobilize the people of God, someone yes. to do so, everyone to do something, we can beautify the house of God. We can be a testimony to our community in greater ways than we've ever been. Right. Practically, if you're in the parking lot, you see trash, you see bottles, you see weeds, pull them. Yep. That's all. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say it again just because I feel good saying it and it needs to be said, even if you don't want to hear it. Well, pastor, what does that have to do with the gospel? It has a lot to do with the gospel. It has about, it's all about being a steward, being a witness, and being a testimony to our community. Amen? Practically, so there shouldn't be a speck in that parking lot. Believe me, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all seeing. i got eyes behind my head. I can see things in the parking lot, and, and, and I'm telling, sometimes I pick up the trash. Sometimes I wait to see if somebody else is going to just trip over it before they pick it up. Lord, have mercy. Spiritually, let me move on. We have a responsibility to see our local church, Victory Church, spiritually repaired, restored, and built up. How do we do that? We do that through our prayers. We do that through our intercessions. We do that through our fasting. We do that through our attendance and our involvement in ministry. That doesn't mean only on a Sunday morning. That means on a Wednesday night. That means, parents, we get our children out to youth events when they come. That means we get involved in the different ministries of our church. Not that you have to do everything, but you do have to do something. I love that we have a woman in our church who has a passion to be a blessing in our nursery. She researches. She does the purchasing of the resources and the curriculum that we would have more effective ministry to those little ones in the nursery. I'm so glad that we have those who know how to support and honor and appreciate those who lead our church. We are called to speak well of our leaders, not to gossip, not to criticize, but to lift up the arms of our pastors in prayer and also in words of encouragement, not only to their face, but behind their back. I want you to talk behind my back. Words of encouragement, that is. And lastly, and we're going to finish, if you want to have a life that impacts God, come on, we're looking at Josiah. How did he do it? He read and he responded to God's word. He read and he responded to God's word. Verse 18, it says, they read the book of the law before the king. In verse 19, it happened when the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes If you go back to verse 15, there's something interesting. It says, Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. That that sounds like a, a paradox. That sounds like an oxymoron. That sounds like it doesn't compute to me. How can you... How can you lose the law, the word of God, in God's house? Wow. But unlike Josiah's time, the word of God is not lost or hidden. It's everywhere. You have it on T-shirts, bumper stickers, TVs, and you have it on your phone. If you and I are going to live like Josiah lived, a life that matters, then we need to respond to the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching what is true to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what's right. You see, the discovery of the book of the law means that it was neglected, it was misplaced. It had to be during the reign of Manasseh or maybe the reign of Ammon. But we see Josiah's tender heart. It says when he heard the word, he tore his clothes. How do we respond to God's word? How do we make a difference like, like Josiah? His heart was soft, pliable, and responsive to the word of God. James 1.21 says, receive the word with meekness. Receive with meekness the word that is able to save your soul. Josiah was so impacted. He tore his clothes, an expression of grief and humility and mourning because he knew that the people of God had broken the commands of God, and that so touched his heart. This morning, I want to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask the singers and the musicians to come back. I want us to close. There's so much more I can say and so much more to get into, but I'm going to leave it there. You know, if you look back at Josiah's life, 16, he begins to seek the Lord. 20, he begins to make some reforms. 26, he begins to, to purge the land. And here he is finding the word of God when I don't know if we're told specifically how old he was. Might have been in his late 20s, early 30s. But you know what? Even after all the good things he had accomplished, his heart was still tender towards God. What I mean by that, in closing, is that Josiah, now that he was older, he was established as the king, he could have have become smug. He could have become a know-it-all. He could have become above the law, so to speak. But you know what? His heart remained tender to God. May God tenderize our hearts. Amen. May God soften our hearts. Brothers and sisters, it's a battle to maintain a soft and tender heart. We get hurt by people. We get disappointed in life. We go through crushing, trials, and all of that, the enemy wants to harden our hearts. The enemy wants to make us calloused. But this morning, we have a choice. If we're gonna live a life that truly matters, we're gonna make a difference. We've gotta be like Josiah, who sought God in prayer, who he committed to living a, a godly life. He committed to dealing with sin in his life. And then he, and he, then he, he, he loved the house of God. He loved the, the ministry. And then we see how he responded to the word. I'm gonna ask you this morning, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey, I'm well aware of the time, and I know some of us as church-going people, once the clock goes beyond a certain time, we start to check out. Maybe, maybe you're, you just have to have a refocus this morning. Maybe you have to realize, well, maybe today could be the day of the beginning of a journey. Maybe this would be the day you begin to really see God. Maybe you're getting, getting back on track. Maybe you're just going to come to faith for the first time and put your faith in Christ. We want to pray with you. And as the singers and the musicians begin to sing, I'm going to ask you to just move out of your seat. If you need to leave, please do so quietly. But I want to give this opportunity for some people to get back on the journey or take another step in the journey like Josiah. Come on, let's live a life that matters. God bless you. In Jesus' name, receive the word of God. Respond to the word of God as they begin to sing. Would you come forward? Would you find a place like Abraham? Rebuild an altar. Like Josiah, begin to seek God. Whatever it is, take that step in Jesus' name. Amen.